Scripture reading for today is Ephesians 1, 11 through 23. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marking him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for all for <clears throat> us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we've traveled through our series, Membership Has Its Possibilities. We've talked about things that church members love to talk about, like, um, you know, talents and, 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 and gifts and all of that good stuff. But what, what we're going to talk about this morning is something that, that, that makes the introverts among us shudder a little bit. That, that even makes some of the extroverts a little bit uneasy. And, and that's witness. And what it means to witness. When I was going through school, they were trying to teach us about some of the different time periods uh, of life and some of the different things that happened. And, and, and I grew up in a time uh, with, the, with the communist threat. Um, it was on the way out, but it was still there. And we were living into that, and they were talking to us about McCarthyism and all of this stuff. And this slogan came up. And I still remember it. It was catchy, even though it was used for nefarious purposes. It was catchy and stuck with me. And, and it went something like this. If you see something. Okay, let's try one more time. Wake up. If you see something, say something. The children may not know what, what that saying is. But if you see something, say something. Uh, even though it's often been used unscrupulously, I think it applies pretty well to what we as Christians are called to do. As we're called to witness, we are called that if we see something, we should say something. We have seen, and one of our main responsibilities according to the Gospels, according to Jesus himself, if you have seen me, bear witness to me. 
During our series, we talked about service. We've talked about talents. Now we get to talk about witness. In other words, if you see something, say something. Paul tells the church at Ephesus the same thing. If you read closely in the first chapter, verse 15, he says, For this reason, ever since I have heard about your faith. In other words, Paul has heard because they have said and they have lived it out in powerful witness. We've heard about you, Paul says. I have heard of your faith. A good church, a good Christian, a good follower of Christ sees something and then they say something. But we don't do a great job at it. In fact, uh, the church is shrinking, not just this church necessarily, but all churches everywhere. The numbers continue to go down. Our witness is not as great as it used to be. So that leads me to, to... to just conclude one thing. We're not saying something. We're not living it out. We're not demonstrating that we have seen the risen Lord and he has made a difference in our life. In other words, the world has not heard of our faith. They have not heard of our faith. So that leads me to several conclusions. The first is that you haven't seen anything, and that's fine. If you haven't seen anything, if you haven't experienced Christ, it's fine to be here, and you may not have a witness yet, but keep coming. God may use it. But the rest of us have seen. So if they haven't heard about our faith, then we've seen something, but we don't know yet what we've seen. We don't know yet what we've seen. We're still processing it. We've experienced Christ. Christ is at work in our lives, but we're still unsure and we're not ready to share it just yet. Well, guess what? There's a place for you here. If that's you, if you're still struggling, if you don't know quite what you believe, you're in good company. You're in good company. If you read the Gospels, they're all different. For instance, in John's Gospel, it goes, yeah, Jesus has been. Jesus has always been. Jesus is from the beginning. He's the Lord of the cosmos. Let me tell you about this Logos, this Word of God, this great Jesus. I'm here to proclaim it. John is one of those folks that walks in to the church and goes, bro, let me tell you about Jesus. But also, you got more. You ever read Mark's gospel? Mark's gospel talks about Jesus like he's unsure about Jesus. He's unsure about the disciples for sure. And when they get to the end, the disciples come to the tomb. And don't read that extra part of Mark that's stuck on the end. Stop at the original place. And you know what it says? They went away afraid and didn't say anything. And those people still get to be in the church. We canonized it. They get to be in the church. They have a, a, a voice in the church. Those who are unsure, those who don't know what they've seen, it's fine. But you keep searching until you discover it. You keep searching until you discover who Jesus is so that you can share Jesus with others. It's important. So maybe you've seen something, you just don't know exactly what you've seen and you're still figuring it out. That's fine. Keep working. Keep working. That's fine. Maybe you've seen something, but you think it's somebody else's job. I, I, I've sometimes been bad about this myself. 
As I told you, introverts don't always like the idea of witness. It scares us. It scares us to tell somebody about Jesus. It scares us to, to reach out and bridge those interactions. And, and, and when I was in youth group, they used to tell us we had to share our faith and talk about our faith and do all this stuff. And I'd look at them and go, no, I'd rather do some other stuff. Sign me up for that. I'd rather, do, I'd rather do this or this or this. That's where my gifting lies. Friends, in the gospel, it doesn't tell us we get to decide if witnessing is our giftedness or not. Jesus tells us over and over again, you will be my witnesses. You will proclaim to the world what you have seen. We don't get to refuse to tell. And then there are those who have seen it and they say something. And we want to be those people who've seen it and say it and do it well. So Paul is bragging on the church at Ephesus here. I have not stopped giving thanks because I've heard about your faith in Jesus Christ. Your witness has been effective. So why has their witness been effective? And what can we learn as we prepare to share our faith? Paul says a great witness possesses a spirit of wisdom and revelation. To oppose that against something else, it would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, not a spirit of folly and myopia. Not a spirit of short-sightedness or error. To be a great witness, we have to act and function and speak as if God still has something to say and do among us. To be a great witness, we can't, we can't be short-sighted. We can't just look at the thing that's right in front of our face. We have to, to move out and, and move into the world with a great hope that God is still active and at work around us. We can't be, uh, we can't be dreadful. We can't be... Uh, suppressed in our joy. We've got to understand God is active and vital among us. Uh, this hasn't happened here, but at other churches that I've worked at, the secretaries weren't always great. Have y'all ever had? No, y'all haven't. Y'all haven't had bad secretaries, but I have. Uh, I won't name any of them. But the one thing that drives me the craziest about a secretary, and I've never fired anybody, but, but this is about as close as I've come. So take notes if you want to write this down. Um, at, at one church I was working, and, and, and you would go in the office and tell the secretary, I'm going to the hospital to visit. Or I'm going to see a shut-in. Or I'm going to a pastor's meeting. Or I'm going to do this. I'll be back in a few hours. And you walk back into the office and they don't know you're there. And you hear the phone ring. And they pick up the phone and they go, such and such Methodist church. And you can tell they ask for me, for the pastor. And it, here's how you know you got a, a dud of a secretary. You ready? You ready? No, I don't know where he is. He's probably off doing, I don't know what he's doing. He hadn't been here all day. Uh, you, you, good luck finding him. Uh, talk to you later and hang up the phone. And I would just walk out of the office and go, one, I'm here. And secondly, I told you where I was going. She goes, how am I supposed to remember that? And I go, write it down. 
So next time I'd take a sticky note and as I walked out of the office, I'd put it on her computer monitor. And I bet she still said when they called and asked for me, I don't know where he is. He's probably running around watching a movie or something. I don't know what he's doing. Friends, I can't tell you the number of churches I've been to where visitors and guests walked in, where people who were searching for the Lord walked in. And as they sat in worship, as they sat in prayer time, all they heard was a church whose witness was what? I don't know where the Lord is. If the Lord's doing anything, we don't know about it. I can't think of one good thing the Lord has done. Friends, I've been to charge conferences in, in clusters where the DS asked for glory sightings. Glory sightings, the way this bishop talks about seeing the way God has moved in your midst. And I've heard a church lift up as their glory sighting. We finally got that ceiling fan installed that we've been talking about for years. And I want to go, good grief. We need to see something so that we can say something. We need to open our eyes and invite our hearts and our minds to experience the risen Christ who is active and at work amongst us in wonderful and powerful ways, so much so that we can't be quiet about it. That's what a great witness does. And then a great witness possesses a spirit of hope and not a spirit of despair. The church has to be hopeful. We've got to be hopeful. As one bishop said at the opening of jurisdictional conference this week, as they preached, they said, a world full of fear needs a fearless church, not a smart church, not a wise church, but a fearless church that acts as out of the hope of what God can do. We are not foolish enough to witness to the fact that everything is okay because it isn't. We're not foolish enough to do that, but we are bold enough to proclaim that God is bigger than any of our doubts and our fears. So what will the world hear about us? Have we seen something so that we can say something? In other words, can God get a witness in God's house? Friends, people are watching. People are proclaiming it. People are being like Paul, whether you realize it or not. I was recently in a, waiting in a line here in the church. And, and somebody came in and was standing in front of me and made conversation with me. And I don't think they knew I was the preacher of the church. They just knew I went to church here. And the reason they knew that is because I held the door open for it. So they started to talk to me and talk to me. And, and after a while, they looked at me and they go, do you know David Sellers? And I go, I know David. I know David. I didn't tell him I was going to tell this story. But I, but I said, I know, I know David. And they said, oh, I, I've known David a long time. I just love David. David meant so much to my husband as he was struggling. And he shared so much of Christ with him and really helped him out. And, and he was really meaningful in my life. I just love David. I think this church is blessed to have him. And I go, well, thank you. I think so too. She never figured out I was a preacher. She never knew that. But I felt like Paul at that moment. 
And so I could say, David, I've heard about your faith. And I give thanks because it was a faith of hope and joy and promise. Friends, I, I just hope as I wander around this place, as I wander throughout Hattiesburg, that I can have more of those conversations each and every day. That folk can ask me, where do you go to church? And I can say Parkway Heights, and they go, oh, do you know so-and-so? They, they're, they're, they've meant so much. Their witness has been so powerful. Friends, we've got a story to tell. We've seen something. Let's say something. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we have a story to tell to the nations. They can turn their hearts to the right. But too often we keep it to ourselves. Lord, would you give us a hope? Would you give us an understanding of your movement among us? And may we never be a church that says, we don't know what you're doing. Or we think you've given up. Lord, you are an active and powerful God who's looking for a witness. Let us share about you in Jesus' name. Amen.